1: Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, with everything going on in the U.S. and around the world, how has Jada Pinkett Smith managed to insert herself into this news cycle? How? Erin,
2: I can't escape the woman. She is everywhere. She She is literally... She's in my inbox. She's on my Instagram. She is
1: Everywhere. American democracy is crumbling. We've got a massive, horrible crisis unfolding in the Middle East, uh, and Jada Pinkett Smith is still Everywhere. in the headlines. Who is Jada her publicist? And who Jada is, and
2: Tupac. Jada who is, who is and Tupac. Jada list? and Chris Rock. <laughs> Jada,
1: please, if you're listening, if you're listening, you should teach a college class on publicity because breaking through. Because whatever has. you're doing, it is breaking through, and I truly. Do not get it but I must uh I must offer reluctant admiration for yeah. for this. Fun show this week, Alyssa. I'm I really mean, excited. It's got a lot of pep in its step.
2: Like a lot got a lot of pep in its step. We've got one of our favorite senators. Kirsten Gillibrand, she's back. She's got stuff to tell us about the ERA. She's, oh
1: my gosh. I was so excited when yeah. I heard that it might work.
3: Fingers it might crossed. Actually
1: work. Fingers crossed. We're also going to talk about the chaos in the House GOP with the senator and talk a little bit about what happened in the Polish elections this week. Yeah, which week. is so interesting. Super interesting and there are a lot of pieces of that story that rhyme with what's happening over here in the US. So super interesting stuff. And then we get to talk to one of my favorite comedians. Yes, definitely. She was wonderful consistently funny, been funny for a super long time. Aparna Nancherla joins us to talk about being an introvert. And we kind of discovered that we're actually all introverts on this show. Barn burner
2: of a conversation for a bunch of introverts. running. (laughs) Running
1: our social batteries down every single week. And then we have a really fun sanity corner slash I feel petty. So excited for all of you to hear. And welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast for people who aren't afraid to say that the last decade has raised the question, are men cut out to be Speaker of the House? (laughs) I don't know. The only good one has not been a man. Our guest today needs no intro. She's a Hysteria favorite, and she's back to do our news segment with us, What a Treat. New York Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, welcome to Hysteria. Thank you so much. We are so excited to have you. We're going to do a little bit of a lightning round of news today. So as of Wednesday morning, the House of Representatives still doesn't have a speaker. That's because GOP nominee for Speaker Jim Jordan does not have the votes. Not only does he not have the votes... He was even further away from having the votes in the second round of voting than he was in the first. Jordan is, to put it in political science terms, a damn nightmare. We'll put something out that goes into more details about the way he's a damn nightmare soon. But for now, let's focus on the fact that the former All-American wrestler is getting body slammed repeatedly by his own party. (laughs) In recent years, Jordan has embarked on an extraordinary rise in Congress from a right-wing rebel on the fringe of his party who is described as a legislative terrorist— by former Republican Speaker John Boehner, to being on the cusp of speakership, a.k.a. second in line to the presidency if he were to win. Yikes. His assent is the clearest indicator yet of how far House Republicans have moved to the right and shows the strength of Trump's grip on the party. But shockingly, this is a fact we learned yesterday, Senator, and we are just in shock. Despite Jim Jordan's practically 16 years in Congress, he has never had a bill signed into law much less passed in the House. His record is thin, even by the standards of the modern House. Not not a very effective legislature. So, Senator, what do you make of the anarchy in the GOP right now?
4: Well, do we swear on this show? Yes, oh, ma'am. It's a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. It's a disaster, and they can't seem to get it together. Um I think that both Jim Jordan and Scalise were far too conservative anyway. And so the moderates didn't want to vote for them because, I mean, Jim Jordan doesn't want to support Ukraine funding, even though he said he would, maybe. Um, and Scalise just doesn't have a record of bringing people together at all. So neither was a good choice. Um, I hope that they'll give the authority to McHenry to actually be a acting speaker um, while they hash out leadership Elections in the future, because then at least we could move key bills like getting Ukrainian funding, getting Israel funding, and getting funding for whatever type of immigration reform we could do on a bipartisan basis. Those seem to be the most exigent issues. Um, We also have a massive childcare cliff where, like, hundreds of thousands of child care centers are going to go out of business this month or next month. And a lot of working parents will have nowhere to bring their children uh, for that good early childhood education and good quality daycare when parents need to be working. So there's a lot of things we should be voting on right now that are quite urgent. And them not having a speaker is really very uh, problematic.
1: Mm-hmm. There, was a, there was a quote from Politico playbook this morning that I thought was pretty interesting and kind of tied into the fact that Jim Jordan has been in Congress for almost 16 years and hasn't had a bill signed into law. Um, The quote from playbook is, as the GOP has drifted steadily right, their ranks have steadily thinned and their crucial role in making Congress work has become increasingly threatened. Being called a moderate these days isn't really an ideological name it's about keeping your head down building the relationships and making the compromises that have kept american democracy on track for 247 years so senator do you think moderate when we say moderate that it now means republicans who actually try to do their jobs
4: yeah (laughs) common sense common sense moderate like it's just someone who believes they have a responsibility to govern i think a lot of members of the house get elected to be um just so extreme and to to destroy things and to just just knock it down. And it's, it's obviously something very detrimental to the U.S. government and to the fact that we need to help people and support legislation that makes a difference. And so those electorates are very um, focused on just destroying anything because they're unhappy and they want to express those um, that disapproval in some meaningful way, and they want their member of Congress to shut it down. And when you do, you ever kind of talk to Republican colleagues
1: in the Senate and have them kind of grumble to you about what's going on in the House? Not really.
4: They, you know, senators are very preoccupied on their own world and their own <laughs> things. So they're always working on a bipartisan basis to get meaningful things moved forward in the hopes that we could get the House to vote on it. But People are pretty serious and they really believe that they have a role to play. So I'm working with Republicans at all times on something meaningful. I mean, I'm working with Josh Hawley on banning stock trading. I'm working with Cynthia Lummis on cryptocurrency and blockchain. I'm working with um, Joni Ernst on letters with regard to Israel and getting the hostages back. So it's a constant effort to address things that are serious and, and meaningful and try to get votes on them.
2: Speaking of things that are meaningful, let's talk about the Equal Rights Amendment. Senator, you've been working hard this year, uh, again, trying to get the Equal Rights Amendment adopted as the 28th Amendment to the Constitution. But first, just to catch everybody up, The first version of the ERA was introduced in Congress in 1923 when it was meant to protect the working conditions around women in the workforce. In the 1960s, it made a comeback and was reintroduced in 1971, was approved by Congress, and in 1972, the ERA was approved by the Senate. Then it went to the states for ratification. Congress set a ratification deadline of 1979. KG... Take it from there. What has become of the ERA between
4: 1979 and today? So this is so interesting, <laughs> and I am excited to talk about this. <laughs> so the Constitution requires two things to make an amendment. It requires two-thirds majority in the House and Senate and two-thirds ratification or uh, ratification by two-thirds of the state. Both of those two things have happened. The last state that ratified was in 2020, it was Virginia. And as you mentioned, we passed it in the House and Senate in the 70s. Now, people who say, well, that's not it, you know, there was this clause in the bill that passed in the House and Senate about timing. And the clause was in the preamble. And if you're a lawyer in lots of states around the country, preambles are not relevant or dispositive. Neither is legislative history. It's what's in the actual text of the law. And so we believe that if right now, the archivist of the United States, if she would sign the amendment and publish it, it would be the 28th amendment, period. That's all that's left to be done. Now, there's a debate about, well, under the Trump administration, the Office of Legal Counsel said that the preamble was relevant and it mattered. Well, we have uh, taken Office of Legal Counsel memos from previous administration and reviewed them and said whether they are valid or invalid in the past. In fact, during the Obama administration, um, he took some OLC memos written by the Bush administration about torture and invalidated them, overruled them. And so we could ask this Office of Legal Counsel to say whatever they want, whether they think it, it, it can be published and signed now, and whether that's relevant, whether the preamble makes a difference or not, or the archivist can just do it because she is not beholden to any OLC memo. She can do it all by herself. And so we're trying to get President Biden to just direct his archivist to sign and publish. So, okay.
2: If the archivist signs and publishes, what would the ERA do? Who would it protect? How would we see its impact in our daily lives?
4: So the ERA as written protects everyone uh, from bias and inequality. So it's an equal rights amendment for women, LGBTQ, race, gender, uh, gender identity. And so it's a very um, well-rounded, complete equal rights amendment. And so as applied to women right now, Um, lower courts have already found that these anti-abortion changes to the law that eliminate a right to privacy in the mails, in uh, traveling, getting medical care from getting uh, prescriptions in the mail for Mifepristone. Courts have already ruled that that is against an equal rights amendment of that state. So it's saying equal rights amendments guarantees that you're treated equally under the law. And that means bodily autonomy. It means a right to privacy with communications with your mother or your doctor or uh, right to the mails, right to travel. All those things um, would be, in my opinion, and in the opinion of some courts already, that it would be um, protected under an equal rights amendment. So it's a way to very firmly um, overturn Dobbs. So if, KG, all of
2: these, all of these court cases that are making their way up to SCOTUS right now, specifically all these groups that are going through uh, the Fifth Circuit in Texas, all trying to find their way to Judge Kaczmarek so that they can, they can challenge abortion. Those cases, uh, I'm not a lawyer, you are. Would those be moot? Those could no longer go forward because
4: they'd have no standing. Yeah, we'd have amended right? the Constitution. Now, you could file a lawsuit arguing that this is an invalid constitutional amendment and it would go up to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court would would render a decision arguably next October. Well, imagine if they rendered an opinion that said this is invalid. Who would turn out to vote? Everybody. So it would be a GOTV Explosion! Bonanza. It would be <laughs> yeah. It would be all the things, and wow. so we'd have a lot more people voting, and people would be furious because this is a legitimate legal argument, and any any argument against has been um, disputed by precedent. So they can say things like, "Well, a bunch of states want to get rid of their ratification." That's been tried in the past. It was tried with the Fourteenth Amendment. It was tried with the Nineteenth Amendment, and you cannot unratify once you've ratified. Um, so some will say, well, it's taken too long. It's been decades. Well, the 27th amendment was written 203 years ago. (laughs) So, and that just passed because some smart college kid realized it only needed one more state to ratify and they got it done and it became the 27th amendment. So we will win in a lot of these legal arguments. And if the Supreme court is so politicized that it, would rule that these arguments aren't valid while the country would respond accordingly.
1: Yeah. Well, speaking of countries responding accordingly to right-wing judicial activism, while you're here, I want to get your opinion on some international news. So this past weekend, Poland had an election, and the far-right anti-democratic nationalist party that had been in power for eight years suffered a surprising upset. Um, The party, which is pronounced peace but is Spelled like piss with one S, uh, <laughs> made many anti democratic, totalitarian, adjacent moves while in power. One of the most famous being a draconian abortion ban. Um, so voter turnout in this election was huge. I think 73% of voters turned out. More women turned out than men to vote and unseat this party. Um, do you think
4: that this kind of rhymes with what might happen in the US as well? Uh, I do. I think people are furious that their fundamental rights to bodily autonomy, to make life and death decisions about medical procedures, to decide when and how many children people are having, I think they've had it. And you've seen this change in government in very Catholic countries and very conservative countries, you've seen reproductive rights secured in places like Ireland and in Spain. And so I'm not surprised that Poland has decided that their right wing government did not represent their values and voted in record numbers. I think if this Supreme court tried to take away a past and certified and published ERA, this country would respond similarly because People fundamentally believe in equality and they believe that um, these rights, these rights to privacy and these rights to bodily autonomy and um, basic civil rights should be protected.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, what happened in Poland was super interesting. And it is also interesting to see that a restriction on bodily autonomy and gender discri- and like increased gender discrimination and attempts to like clamp down on Women's rights is something that mm-hmm. tends to go along with totalitarianism everywhere, and and I think you're yeah. right, Senator. I don't think that voters here—I mean, they've been mad for a while. We've been mad since 2016, 2018, mm-hmm. 2020, and 2022. You saw the results of that, so— Uh, Yeah, I mean, I guess. But, you know, if there's anything the American GOP can't learn, it's its lesson. So, you know.
4: (laughs) Yeah, and it doesn't. Well, interestingly, in my state in New York, we are also going to have an Mm -hmm. equal rights amendment on the ballot this year. And we believe that'll drive voter turnout, that it's going to be a reason for people who stayed home last election, for example, to actually come out to vote this time. And uh, we will run a very grassroots-oriented campaign. We're actually doing a coordinated campaign in New York this cycle. Um, and that that ballot initiative will really inform uh, get-out-the-vote strategies. So I'm really excited about it. And, you know, God forbid we have a Republican president like Trump again. And God forbid they do a national federal ban. We would need an equal rights amendment in our state to protect that Right. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's important that we push all states, purple and, and red and blue, just to start doing ERA votes because we've won all of them so far. Red places like Kansas and Montana, like we are winning when people put reproductive freedom on the ballot. mm mm-hmm. Um,
1: How can our listeners support your efforts at the national level to ratify and uh, get the ERA in the Constitution?
4: So um, really be heard on it. Um, Use social media. Use their voices. If they are based in New York voting, Um, there's a not-for-profit that's been set up to do the organizing for the ERA, nyequalrights.org. Got it. Cool. They should get involved in organizing because when every state does it, it builds on the next for the next state.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, thank you so much for joining us. The ERA work you're doing is really exciting in a sort of like Montgomery Burns, like tenting my fingers, excellent <laughs> sort of way. Um, so thank you for everything that you're doing. And uh, we look forward to hearing more good news about this soon. Thank you.
4: It's my privilege and and I'm very inspired by it. So it's, it's exciting me and it's going to get me to work that much harder um, in the next election cycle to make sure everybody votes.
1: Hysteria is brought to you by Viori. Tired of boring workout gear? Check out Viori. Viori's versatile and comfy products are designed to look great in and outside the gym, whether you're running, training, or even just lying on your couch enjoying the fact that your two-year-old child is leaving you alone for five blessed minutes. I love that for Viori.
2: You know what? That seems like a real perk of (laughs) It is.
1: It's perfect. It's cut perfectly for lying down and just savoring a moment to be left alone. It's great. (laughs)
2: five stars no
1: comment 100% great that's the type that's my favorite sport the new the women's performance jogger is the softest jogger you'll ever own grab one of these new colors before they sell out and check out the women's daily legging which features a high waist drawstring tie and upgraded no slip fit all things that are absolutely essential in a legging
2: essential I love these leggings they are because you know like not everybody's the same you know so Mm -hmm. it's like I need a little bit more room around my booty so I size up a little bit, but then it's it's usually too big in my waist. And so now I just just pull that drawstring. And I don't show show any crack when I bend over. (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. See, you have your baby and I have my butt crack.
1: (laughs) (laughs) For guys, there's the men's core short, the most comfy-lined athletic short out there, and the men's Sunday performance jogger. Oh my gosh, Alyssa, my brother, who I have given Viore performance gear to. Yes won an ultramarathon over the holidays.
2: I saw that. That is so incredible.
1: He ran eighty miles in the freezing cold. I don't think he was wearing his Viori core shorts because that would be dangerous, dangerous, but, but he he loves wearing them to train. And uh, I'm so proud of him. I'm so pr- Viori played a role in his ultra marathon win. <laughs> Uh, Plus, Viore is 100% offsetting their carbon footprint and reducing and offsetting 100% of their plastic footprint from 2019 onwards. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I. .com/hysteria not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase but enjoy free shipping on any US orders over $75 and free returns go to fiori.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of viori clothing
3: packages by expedia you were made to be
2: rechargeable we were made to package flights hotels and hammocks for less expedia made to travel
0: It's 2024. We're facing another presidential election with huge stakes. You want to help, but you don't know where your money will actually make a difference or how to figure that out. And sure, you love to take an edible and not think about it, but you can't because you do care. Let Vote Save America make it easy for you with their new anxiety relief program. Here's how it works. You set up a monthly recurring donation at the level that feels right for you, and Vote Save America will send 100% of it to the grassroots organizations and down-ballot races that need it most. Then, at the end of the month, they'll tell you where your dollars went. That's it. Set it and forget it. Vote Save America has already raised $52,000 in monthly recurring donations. Love it. That's great. From over 1,000 amazing sustaining donors who've signed up and trusted Vote Save America to make their dollar go further. But we still have a long way to go and Vote Save America needs your help to get there, sign up at votesaveamerica.com and enjoy your edible. <laughs> Legal disclaimer: Paid for by Vote Save America. votesaveamerica.com not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee.
1: And welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast for people who have at some point or another Googled whether or not they make those don't pet me, I'm working vests for dogs in people sizes. (laughs) Our guest today is a comedian, writer, and actor. She's written for Late Night, performed on Comedy Central, and you've heard her voice on BoJack Horseman. And I recently discovered Frog and Toad. It was a very pleasant surprise. I was watching it with my daughter and I was like, Hey, I know, I know her. Uh, most recently, she wrote a book called "Unreliable Narrator: Me, Myself, and Imposter Syndrome," and she has a new audiobook called "The Introvert's Survival Guide" out now on Audible. Aparna Nancherla, welcome to Hysteria. Thank you for having me. We are so excited to have you. Uh, so, first of all, let's start with talking about being an introvert. Yes. So, what's an introvert? And why were so many online quizzes telling everybody that they were one back in 2015?
3: (laughs) Okay. So I learned, I mean, I thought I knew what one was, but I feel like I, yeah, also got swept up in the personality quiz craze um, of the aughts. Uh, But yes, so an introvert is still someone who, because I think we think of extroverts as, you know, outgoing, life of the party, always needing to be around people, And it's not that introverts don't need to be around people. They just get their social connection in different ways. Like they sort of value, you know, one-on-one conversations with like a few trusted people versus, you know, a big party or like a big mingler. And they also do can enjoy situations like that. But then they'll just need more recharge time on the back end versus extroverts who are actually getting their fuel from being around other people where their alone time is more uh, them like, I don't know, the opposite of introverts at a party, like them (laughs) practicing being alone.
1: (laughs) So when did you first realize that being
3: around other people drained your life force? Hmm. I think it was early on. I don't think I had a word for introvert, but I was also a shy kid. And I think Shyness and introversion aren't the same thing, so I think for me, it was kind of conflated because I was also just very scared of talking to other people um whether you know, whether it was from social energy or not, it was also just like another barrier that made it hard to connect with others mm-hmm. do you do you think that introverts are at a
1: disadvantage uh, when it comes to the way that society is set up and and how? Have you found can you as an introvert and can other introverts in general kind of
3: overcome that yeah i mean i think I think it's fair to say America is a pretty extrovert you know skewed place in that we really value magnetism and charisma and people who really can can keep other people's attention in a sort of wrapped charming uh m- manner and uh i I don't know for me it's kind of funny cuz I think I was reading some of Susan Cain's work she wrote this book Quiet that was kind of a a known tome in the introvert canon and she uh, she was saying that sort of historically we used to we used to kind of value like introversion and like quiet stoicism and like I think maybe Abraham Lincoln was like an or like a early you know figurehead of just like the model of just someone who's like, quiet, calm, collected, reserved, maybe, but then they really like know what they're doing, or they're like, really a person of conviction. And then I think weirdly enough, with just like, I don't know, the rise of the American dream, and like this idea that you could like make something of yourself, like we started valuing this like kind of outward magnetism, charisma, like the cult of personality. So it was almost like we it is a social construct in a way just like the way we we worship extroversion now but to that to that point i do think now there is just more literature you know on introverts versus extroverts and just ways to make an environment welcoming to both but i still think to that point like the 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 pendulum still swings more towards extroverts overall, especially like in the workplace and stuff where it's like, if you're in a meeting, it's like the person who's speaking the most or something is still going to maybe hold the floor more than someone who later comes up and is like, actually, I had five ideas I thought of quietly. (laughs) (laughs) I find it, as you were
1: talking about that, I was thinking, um, you're you're totally right about the U.S. being a country that values extroversion, mm-hmm. but it also feels like at the same time, we're not really creating spaces that encourage extro- extroversion or that, like, mm. give extroverts a real public space to recharge. Um, like, I don't know. There aren't very many third spaces anymore, like parks or community centers yeah. or places where people can all go and hang out. Um, so it's really interesting to kind of see that tension play out, how, like, on one hand, we're told be an extrovert and that's how you succeed but on the other hand it's like the only way for extroverts to like sharpen their tools or to feel recharged is to like go to places where it costs money to go mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. meanwhile introverts
3: are sort of like don't have anywhere to like go i don't know yeah it's also i think it's interesting too with like the internet where where i feel like a lot of people now use that as a you know further means of expressing themselves or their personality and It's funny because as an introvert, I find the Internet in at least early on when I was on social media, I found it really helpful because it felt like a way to express myself without having to kind of compete uh, with attention in the same way of being necessarily the loudest one. Like it's you're just kind of putting out your work online. You can kind of be loud in your own way where you're just like the work can speak for itself in a different way than than necessarily having to carry it with my personality in a room. But uh, to that degree, I wonder, I'm curious, because I'm not sure if you guys consider yourself extroverts or introverts, but like I'm curious whether you find the internet like uh, fueling, like if you are an extrovert or yeah, on the flip side, if you are an introvert, like how it kind of, how it, it manifests in terms of your social energy.
1: Yeah. Alyssa, are you an introvert or an extrovert? I bet the answer will surprise some people. <laughs> oh,
2: I'm an introvert. I'm I, yeah? I'm an introvert who copes by acting extroverted. I sure. think that's the best way to put it. Like for me to go to a party full of people I don't know, uh, my social battery goes down to about 10 percent pretty fast. Mm. Like it really mm-hmm. I, I, I get really uh, anxious about it. Um, it's it's a strange thing. And like people who spend a lot of time with me up here, it's almost like a little bit of a joke now. Like, Alyssa, we're inviting people you don't know. And I'm like, it's OK. Just like tell me a little bit about them so I can like get it together. But it's funny because if my parents ever listened to this, you know, I was the one who always talked at the dinner table. I was, you know, always got in trouble for talking too much in school. But I think it's like how I dealt with feeling uncomfortable sometimes. hmm
1: how about like how how about a partner's question about the internet like do you think that you that have you found that it enables you to express yourself
2: without draining your battery or no <laughs> i no? find it's the opposite it makes me much more stressed like i find the internet and social media like quite stressful and like i think there's of course this could just this may be a difference between like anxiety and introversion but like that i yeah. just <laughs> you know th- this is um that i think that people that in so many ways social media has just become the wild west it just feels like an unsafe place in general but i'd say years ago when twitter was still decent i did enjoy i did enjoy twitter and and felt i never felt fueled by it but i don't find it as uh, emotionally exhausting as i do now
3: yeah, I, th- I think exactly the same for me. Like nowadays, I like I can barely tolerate a, yeah. like uh, time on the platforms because it is just so much noise. And yeah, it's anxiety and just like my introversion, like fear of like just upsetting other people or just mm-hmm. like, I don't know, like just kind of engaging in the wrong way. I don't know. I get like very nervous about it and but I feel like early on maybe it just like the novelty of it or just being like oh this is a way to put myself out there that isn't quite as draining as some other environments like you know even just trying to be funny in the green room with other comedians where you're like oh nobody heard my joke but I thought it was pretty good <laughs> I
2: feel like Aparna I feel like the internet now can be social media at least can be sort of summarized as you go on to say you love mangoes and everyone yells at you and is like why do you hate oranges? And it's like what? It's not, but I feel like that's it in a in in some. Yes,
3: yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes.
2: Completely. Yeah,
1: totally. It's a bad faith machine. Yeah, for sure. totally. And yes. I and I think and I think that if you're somebody, believe it or not, most people who don't know me well do not believe this, but I am also an introvert, yeah. but I'm like I'm an iPhone 8 with the newest OS, it is <laughs> deliberately draining. Like when I'm in social situations, I like heat up and like yes. overcompensate. Yes, yes, definitely. The, be, because I'm like, everybody is good. People are going to think I'm being snotty or people are going to mm. think I'm being mean or I'm not interested or somehow I'm failing to keep this social interaction going. Because I think as women, sometimes we're raised to, to feel like we need to be the host yep, of the totally. conversation. Yeah, sure. Like, we're responsible for everyone, like, asking the questions and yes. keeping things going. And, like, I mean, men don't really have to. I mean, yeah. I'm generalizing, but I don't think that most men are raised that way, to to feel like if a social interaction is awkward, it's their fault. Right. And so I tend to, yeah, I'm like an overheated iPhone, just my battery going <laughs> from, like, 77 <laughs> down to, like, 17. Do you want to go on low power mode within, like, an hour? And it, it, I need to be by myself for like long periods of time. Otherwise, I feel like I'm gonna just start crying. Yeah, you know, totally. like I, I feel yeah. completely. And and like, Aparna, I wanted to talk about like anxiety too, because you've talked a lot about it in your work. You've written about it. You've performed jokes around it, and like it seems like. Being an introvert and having anxiety, anxiety and introversion are like real good pals. Um, yeah. How do they? In- how do they interact for
3: you? For me, I mean, I think I think introverts are also geared in a way where we process things very internally and like kind of uh, live very much in our own heads. And I think for me, anxiety is very much the same way where I'm like, you know, living out a million realities in my head that may or may not be occurring in, in actuality. Like, um, I think I remember someone saying like with anxiety, it's like you already have imagined the worst thing happening. And it's like it, your brain kind of almost can't distinguish between the fact that it hasn't happened. Like it might as well have happened in your head. Um, because you've already like gone through the full gamut of emotions of processing that that fear. Um, but yeah, I think for me it's like the anxiety I think what makes it tricky is sometimes I have to be like, am I, you know, not going to this party because I'm really anxious and I need like a recharge day as an introvert. Or is it just me, you know, not wanting to engage with the world at all? And like, it's tricky to sometimes know the line between self-care and, you know, like expressing your true self or something.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that that makes sense. Alyssa, do you ever feel like you need to answer the same question for yourself? Like, am I not going to this because I'm being a poop? Totally. Or am I not going to this because... Absolutely. Can you like? Do you remember
2: a recent oh, situation all where that t- happened? It is all the time. I have conversations yeah. with myself. Literally, I, I mean, almost not. I'm not going to say every time I leave the house, but whenever <laughs> I'm going into a social situation, 99 of the time, about 12 hours out, I'm like, "Why did I agree to this? <laughs> what was I thinking?" And then sometimes I'll be like, "I will. I'll sit and I'll break it down because you you also." You guys tell me if I'm wrong. You also don't want to stop getting invited to things because that yes, makes it work. Yes. So you don't want to yes. be like the person who always says no or says yes and then flakes. I hate to flake. That's another thing. It's like, I yeah. really try to like, if I commit to doing something, I really want to see it through. Then you're like, maybe it'll rain and I can have an excuse. And it's like, no, (laughs) let's say you committed. So you're going to go. And the next time you go ahead and you commit again. But now a lot of times I'll be like, I'll talk to myself, be like, okay, like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You're going to get tired. You're going to get exhausted by this. But like everyone who's going to be here is nice. Why are you stressing? And I try to talk myself off the ledge a bit, be like, okay, girl, get up and get out kind of thing. But then there are some times when I'm like, if I think no one's going to miss me, like if it's a really Mm -hmm. big event and it feels over the top and I'm like, no one's going to fucking
3: know if I was there or not. I will give myself permission those times and be like, I'm not going. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like for me, the hardest bar is like getting myself out the door. And then Mm -hmm. a lot of times it'll be like fine when I get there or you know, like you said, Alyssa, like I'll, I'll, you know, do my hour of of like nine conversations and then I'll be like, okay, I, I clocked in and I can clock I out. I made an appearance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hit my minimum. Yeah. But I have had, I think the worst one I, like one time I agreed to go to like a comedian's birthday party and I got there and the bar was just like so loud and there was just like people spilling out of it. And I was like, Absolutely not. I just didn't even go inside. I just <laughs> yep, like, turned totally. and went home.
1: Oh my God. Aparna, <laughs> that, that just gave me such a visceral flashback to going to comedians' birthday parties. <laughs> Whenever there's any party full of people who perform or communicate for a living is like extra yes. draining. Extra yes. draining. Even though I'm somebody who performs and communicates for a living, I feel. Do you feel like competitive when you go there? Do you feel like, or do you do you just feel like you, yourself getting
3: smaller? Like, how do you feel? Yeah, when you go to I don't things? feel competitive with others because sometimes I just feel like I cannot uh, compete with you know the sheer star power of your or your <laughs> charisma. Like, I'm not even going to try. But but it is like I think it's draining too because it's like sometimes when people do feel the need to, like, perform that much, they also kind of require you to engage a certain way. And sometimes I don't even Mm -hmm. feel capable of doing that, you know, of just, like, being this, like, acolyte or something to their Uh, personality. I wish,
2: I wish that... (laughs) Like, introverts could have, like, medic alert bracelets where you could just, like, <laughs> identify each other at a party and be like, do you just want to sit here and be quiet for a minute? You know what I mean? I think it would just oh it would be such a public service. Aparna, <laughs> oh, you, that's your
3: merch for the <laughs> merch. Totally. That's my merch.
1: I'm like on Shark
3: Tank and they're just like, what are you talking about?
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. Please go on. I could just pick. I can picture it. It would be so. Sit there. Make them so uncomfortable
2: with your silence and just be like, here. (laughs)
3: Well, so here it is. and Just let the silence. Just the (laughs) anti-pitch. Yeah.
2: I mean,
1: anti-comedy is a thing. Why not? anti Yes. Yes. I went to an, a party one time Aparna for mm-hmm. a com- it was a comedian's New Year's Eve party. Oh. Wow. And there was a point in the night where everyone there were a lot of stand-up comedians there. Yeah. And there was a point in the night where they set up a stage and people <gasps> were doing sets. No. Oh, I know, And I was just like <laughs> They were doing, like, tight fives of deliberately bad jokes that were sort of, like, in-jokes oh, that yeah, they picked yeah, up. Yeah. I think, yeah. it, you know, like, if you go to too many open mics and you just – eventually people just start making jokes about what happens at an open mic. Yeah. Anyway, it was like, oh, my God. I can. I, I had a flashback to that party, and I just remember by the end of the night, I was like, I don't ever want to talk to a human <laughs> being ever ever
3: again. <laughs> but the funny thing uh, is like I I am like repelled by that I, whole idea like that. I was just like, why would you do that? But then, to, you know, there are a lot of comedians who would be into that or would be like eager to jump on that soapbox for however many minutes. And And I think even some of those people would be introverts. So I think that always throws me off where I'm just like, how are you an introvert? But I think it's what You guys are both saying where it's like a lot of introverts develop sort of an extrovert persona to manage the world. And sometimes it is like does seem like there's no way this person is an introvert, but it's just because they're like performing extra hard to seem not like one.
1: Right. It's like somebody who exercises with the wrong form where it's (laughs) like. Not engaging your core,
2: but just
3: crashing through
2: those (laughs) sit-ups. You're doing the exercises, but you're going to
1: hurt your neck. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Aparna, is there anything about being an introvert that like as you've thought more about it, um, you've realized you kind of were in denial about and you were trying to work against, but you've started to understand
3: that you can work with it? Yeah. I mean, I think kind of what we're saying where I think early on in comedy, I really thought I had to be like at every social event and like sort of just hanging out as much as the next person. But I feel like especially with age, I've just like learned I have a certain capacity for those situations. And it's like sometimes I do still beat myself up about like, oh, why didn't you stay for like the after party or something? But now I'll kind of meet myself halfway where it'll be like, okay, like, I'll put in an appearance, but then that that is enough. Like, I don't have to like, stay the whole time or like, you know, necessarily talk to every person I'm scared of in the room. I'll pick one. And I'll (laughs) do that. Like, I yeah, just like kind of making giving myself more room to kind of show up as I am versus just always trying to be like, how can you change to be a better, like, ideal version of what you think you should be? Mm-hmm. Yeah, You
1: know, one thing, going back to the online thing, one thing that – one way that being online has not been good for me uh, as someone who has, like, introverted tendencies um, is that I think that the online – You write something, you tweet something, Mm -hmm. and there it is. And it can be screenshotted and shared. Yes. And, like, let's pretend there's an imaginary group chat of people who just, like, hate you and find you annoying or me annoying. Uh, They could just, like, share it and pass it around, and there it is, like, in stone, in screenshot. It's a, you know, it's a JPEG. And when you have a conversation with somebody, if you say something that doesn't quite come out right or that doesn't work or you make an awkward comment, they can't, like, screenshot that and send (laughs) that around to everybody and i feel as though i i feel like being online and spending as much time online as i have has made me sometimes think of every social interaction almost like something that i post or something oh, that i tweet wow. like that it's something like there's so the stakes are really high because if i mess up somebody can somebody somebody's going to pass it around and people will remember and it's like i don't know does that ever
3: happened to you? Yeah, I was just thinking in light of like the like lockdown and the pandemic how, you know, I still have conversations with people where we're both like I still don't feel like fully like I've regained the same social self I had before the pandemic where I'm like having a conversation at a party and I'm totally like Freeze of like knowing the next thing to say. Like I don't know. There's some some sort of stamina has still not been regained, and and I do think of that same thing where I'm just like, are other people clocking this the same way as me? Are they having this same experience of feeling like a little bit less yes. good at this than they used to be? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I I just feel more hyper aware of like social interaction in general, and I think like you're saying that is. Amplified too by living online. Mm-hmm.
2: Alyssa, explain your uh your nodding oh, and, God. and saying like, yes. COVID was terrible for my my yeah. my sad little, you know, introverted <laughs> tendencies. Because it's like running a marathon. It's like any kind of exercise, right? Like you lose your muscle memory if you don't do it. And so like the first couple of times. Oh, I was like, I don't know if I should go to this. Has everyone tested? Like, are people going to wear masks? And it was – and the worst was those first events where people were wearing masks because the act of trying to make conversation through the mask was actually physically exhausting. Like, it was actually physically exhausting. And you're like, pussy, shouldn't have done that. Look how tired I am. I've got a (laughs) headache now. And so it was like –
1: It was like trying to talk to people on speakerphone at a party when they were there looking at you. Because you can't see their face and you can't, like, read their lips if it's loud. And, oh, God. Parties are the worst. Why are we having them?
2: (laughs) But, like, at the same time, especially, like, I do things that I do much better in, like, let's say, like, groups of 20. Like a sit-down dinner that's very civilized and everyone, like, one of my friends up here, one of my dearest friends, she has – groups over for dinner. And I've met some of the greatest people through them. And I'm so glad that I went to them. But in general, if it's like over 50 people, there's like you're not gonna, I will pop in, I will have a drink, and I will leave. And that is that is where it ends. And that was probably where my heart was before COVID. But after COVID, it's just a rule.
3: Yeah, and that's the thing I've noticed. Like, because everyone was like, "Oh, you must love this!" Like during lockdown, and I was like, "No, I think I think that's the thing with introverts. They still need that social stimulation and like being around other people. It's just in different ways. Like, like even just getting to meet up with a friend in the park to have like a conversation, I would find so like helpful and rejuvenating. And like I like I definitely was not thriving like being alone by myself all the time. I think even people who had partners weren't necessarily thriving
1: because you also, like, you had, like, kind of the worst of both worlds where you were, like, by yourself but not by yourself. Yeah. And you never got to – you always were hanging around. It was – I think it was rough on everybody. And, yeah, oof, that was a bad time. So, Aparna, what are the key things an introvert needs to survive from your experience as an introvert?
3: Yeah, for me, it's kind of just, like, space to recharge in whatever way you find that possible. Like for me, it's like, sometimes it just is even like, you know, if I'm out or I'm like at a meeting, that's like killing me. It's just like going to the bathroom for a few minutes and being like alone with myself and like being able to like take a few breaths or just like re, re like establish my like connection to myself. Cause I feel like I can get lost socially easily. Um, But also just like having people who get you and like get your speed and like kind of just are okay with you, you know, having these needs and maybe not being as socially available as the next person or in the same way. Um, Yeah, I mean, to me, they're not huge things. They're just kind of like little shifts that allow for your uh, battery to like regain, yeah, fuel um, that are maybe not built into society right now in the most like intuitive way. Yeah, that that sounds, that sounds correct. Uh, you
1: live in Los Angeles now mm-hmm. and you've lived in New York and those are two places that present their own sets of challenges for people who need to recharge by themselves. So what would your advice be to people who live in places uh, or in situations where it's kind of hard for them to steal time alone? How would you, what's your advice to someone like that to find a space
3: to recharge? Yeah. I mean, I think either just being deliberate about making that space in your own life, whether that's like, you know, going for walks or whatever it is, like any ritual you can like commit to or find that will help you create that boundary for creating that space for yourself. Um, I think it's very hard if you, you know, live in a very like social environment where it is like, uh, maybe a little more difficult to find that time or space for yourself. but I think just remembering to value that as like as important as like drinking enough water or like getting enough sleep where it's like a small thing, but it actually makes a huge difference to like your ability to like live uh, with a little more ease, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. A pardon,
1: Thank you so much for joining us. This was a fun conversation. A lot of words for an introvert. Just yeah, kidding. Uh- <laughs> for three introverts. I know. Well, see, my battery is going to be at about fifteen percent by the end of this recording. Oh, well, without I'm question. Go into my room and and lie down. Um, Aparna's book, Unreliable Narrator, Me, Myself, and Imposter Syndrome, available wherever you get books. She also has a new audiobook, Introvert Survival Guide. You can find it now. Aparna, thank you so much for joining us. This was thank a Thank you, of fun. Aparna. Thank you for
3: having me. I must go recharge. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Nine one one, what's your emergency?
0: I can't find Captain Nash and his wife's cruise ship. Somebody
3: Tonight, nine one one comes to ABC. We're
0: gonna make it out of here. We gotta work together. Tonight at nine on ABC, followed by Seven News at eleven. She was hired to fix DC's nine one one problems. It was the worst I'd ever seen. But instead, says she was fired for exposing the failures. The blame belongs in leadership. Now the I team digs into what fueled the mayor's decision. Tonight on Seven News at five. And enjoy your edible <laughs> legal disclaimer paid for by vote save america votesaveamerica.com not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee
4: and
1: welcome back you're listening to hysteria the podcast for people who give out the good candy
2: yes I give out the best candy.
1: I, that's you got to full size. You got to.
2: I also get if no trick or treaters, to. so it always ends up being I my mean, candy. Yeah,
1: you could give out indiv- like those giant bags of candy to people who are willing to to brave to brave the, my the driveway. Roads. <laughs> we live on a fairly main thoroughfare, and we get a lot of trick or treaters. So I am afraid that giving out giant regular size you cannot. Candy.
2: I have seen where you live, and I have seen how you decorate. You cannot go there. You will be bankrupt. Nope.
1: Mine. I can't do it. I got a I got a kid to send to college yes. in like sixteen years or whatever. Um, okay, announcements for the class. It's spooky season. We will never let you forget when it is spooky Ever. season. If you saw me on the street and you said hi, I love your show. My response to you would be, "It's spooky season." Exactly. It's that's it's it's not healthy.
2: The level of how much we love spooky season. Give me witch hats, give me bats, honestly, give me candy corn, it's all good. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I'm drinking a prescription pumpkin spice latte right now. It's the only thing that works for me. (laughs) Um, And in honor of spooky season, we have a new tea that's perfect for horror fans.
2: At this point, if you like following Supreme Court news, you are a horror fan. It's a Jaws-inspired T-shirt, except our version is laws. And on the back, it says, "We're gonna need a bigger court." Aaron, didn't you come up with that? I think <laughs> yeah, this sounds pretty familiar. Although I, the,
1: the, the just say, just you know, it's it's fine. The the context in which I pitched it, it was Jack Smith as a shark yes. eating a swimming Donald Trump. So yes, but it, either way, laws—they're impor- They're gonna get you. They're going to get you. (laughs) The T features a graphic of six sharks in judicial robes, which sounds scary, but it's definitely less scary than the six conservative justices. You know what? Conservative justices of the Supreme Court have almost certainly killed more people than sharks do every year. I think that's probably pretty accurate. Yeah. How many death penalty appeals have they just been like, no, don't know? Don't they know, kill more people than sharks. Sharks, one hundred percent, kill more people really, than sharks. Not really
2: hurting people. Not really hurting I, people.
1: <laughs> sharks for Supreme Court. Sharks for Supreme Court. They never stop growing. They're ancient, <laughs> beautiful creatures. They. Uh, it's not true that they don't get cancer, but they they have teeth. are resistant. So many teeth. Yeah, they're resistant to cancer. Let's have a shark let's replace justice Clarence Thomas and or Justice Sam Alito with actual sharks they kill fewer people than both of those men have okay law is coming to a merch <laughs> store near you specifically crooked.com store snag your new favorite tea today all right Alyssa are you ready to be sane and or petty with me I'm yes I'm both okay cool I'm gonna go I'm gonna go first Do because it. you've been you've had like a little evil grin since you announced <laughs> that the the story you chose was for me, so I'm gonna <laughs> let you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you be the closer. All right.
3: Um, are you Sandy? You're this petty? Is both.
1: I'm both. Okay. Kind of. Okay. I guess it's, it's not petty because it is a big deal, but it's petty because I'm happy that these people that I don't like are not getting what they want. Okay. So, and it's Sandy because what's happening is uh, w- the decision that has been made is good. For America and good for the Earth. So, Alyssa, you're probably familiar uh, with the unfortunate fact that a lot of groundwater in Arizona was being used by farms that were leased by Saudi Arabia yep. to grow alfalfa for their cows. Yes. So, alfalfa. You know alfalfa. Alfalfa I know is alfalfa. A, is a crop. Everybody. I mean, you know. Are you rural? Can you even rural if you don't know alfalfa? <laughs> alfalfa is a, an extru- it, it is a thirsty crop. It needs a lot of water. Growing it in Arizona seems like a very terrible idea. Uh, the farms that the Saudis were leasing again, so that they could feed the cows that they use, not even that people in this country use. right. So they could feed the cows that they use. Um, it, it, it's just they were they had basically unfettered unlimited access to Arizona groundwater well, now it appears that uh, the lease on the farm that has unfettered access to Air- to Arizona groundwater is not going to be renewed. Arizona Governor oh. Katie Hobbs, who has been on this show when yes. she was running for governor. Katie Hobbs uh said that the move would quote protect Arizona's water future. So that's really exciting. Um, that they're finally getting kicked out. Uh there is one lease that they're terminating immediately, and there are two or three other leases that that are going to expire in February that are not going to be renewed to this same entity. So that's really first that of all it's petty great because news. like that's. Have you ever seen that episode of Thirty Rock where Liz's boyfriend is trying to buy an apartment, and this guy comes in and he's like, "Oh, I'll use this for my son to store his motorcycles," and just yes, buys it off Yes, yes, from yes, yes. That's how I feel. What was happening Absolutely. in Arizona?
2: Absolutely. There
1: are, there are human beings who need that water in yes. Arizona. We don't. We shouldn't be growing alfalfa in an environment like that, and we definitely shouldn't be growing alfalfa in an incredibly Environmentally irresponsible way. So, I'm uh, I'm feeling sane that that Governor Hobbs yes, and that was the, very good uh, news. Very good news that the state of Arizona is terminating those leases. So, uh, hoping that the next move is is something that's more uh, climate friendly. Agree.
2: Okay, Alyssa, you're up. All right, Aaron. So, you and I both we we watch 90 Day Fiance, right? I haven't watched the new season. Okay. Well, this little spoiler. Okay, isn't you can, do it, you can still tell you me It's not a spoiler. Okay, that's it's fine. not a spoiler, but okay, it that's is fine. funny. So uh right now, uh there is both 90-day fiance and 90-day the other way that are on uh new episodes every week. And Erin, each show has a witch or witch-adjacent woman. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're also the most chaotic characters, potentially, that have ever been on the show. And there are so many questions I have. If you are a witch, you have magical powers in some way, shape or form. One, how did you not know this whole situation was gonna unfold the way it was? Now that the situation is unfolding, how have you not cast a spell, come up with a brew, found some sort of toad or something to rub and fix whatever (laughs) is going on? But like, I have never seen two people, one let's call her an oracle, the other one is she calls herself a witch. I have never seen such chaos. They should—they should be more in control. They should be getting what they want. They should have the situation sorted out. They are witches. This is what we expect of witches. And on the one hand, I love the show. On the other hand, Lady Witches, get it together. I would—I would say that
1: um, at the at the least halloweeny right <laughs> a person who is a, a wiccan or a pagan or who practices right. like modern witchcraft is somebody who at least has a spiritual connection with these ancient practices and like spirituality is supposed to center you and help you um help you ha- ha- give you the tools to approach life and to overcome obstacles we're, we're eliminating the bibbity bobbity boo of it it's right dope. like yes, like Put forth all this effort to study this philosophy, this way of life, even if you don't believe in, like, you know, actual, like, magic wands and stuff. You're, you should be – you. it should be empowering you in some way or another or, this, like, helping and you. And that yeah. –
2: therein lies my biggest issue is that one of the witches was – okay, like, you can't totally tell from the angle – but she was sobbing uncontrollably, ugly crying, as she called it, in the car on the way to the airport to pick up her boo, who she did not know if he had actually made his connecting flight. She may or may not have been FaceTiming while driving a move I was very concerned that TLC kept in the show. But like, I was like, <laughs> girl, how do you not know he?" Like, first of all, take a pull over and take a deep breath. I mean, she was hyper ventilating by her own admission on the drive to the airport. And all I could think of is that, like, when they first told us at the beginning of the season that she was going to be a witch, I was expecting very different things out of it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's, um, there's a lot of things that TLC has done that I'm like, is this
2: ethical? Is it ethical? Is this legal? Not sure. Still watch it, but do have (laughs) questions.
1: Yeah, yeah it's uh it's it's pretty pretty rough um okay that's i'm i am going to now make a commitment to myself that after we're done recording uh my recharge time is going to be watching the new yes season yes i need to i i I sometimes tend to lose interest in the people as the episodes go on because i'm like you are too annoying oh i totally
2: completely agree
1: emily from kansas i was like you the worst I couldn't even watch the sh- like episodes with her on it because she annoyed me her the way she treated her partner and I just when it, he was just trying me. to
2: learn how to muck the stalls.
1: Yes. Yeah, and she was like telling her parents that she was just going to keep living there and her parents were like no you're, no, not. you're not and they clearly had no ability is. to tell. Yeah, that seems correct. <laughs> um but they did do a fall photo shoot which is the number one sign that everything is great in a relationship is when people do a fall photo shoot. Um, Okay, that is all the time we have on this week's episode of Hysteria. Thank you to Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, uh, one of our faves, obviously. Thank you to Aparna Nancherla for joining us this week. I want to send a special thanks to our listener, Polish-American journalist Hanna Kozlowska. She's amazing. She really helped a lot with uh, show prep this week. Yes. We're going to link to a couple of her pieces in show notes if people want to read up a little bit more about what's going on over there. And listeners, if you want to get in touch with us, hysteria at crooked.com. Uh, we read all of our emails. We'll give you a shout out. You know, Sometimes we reply. to reply from you. Sometimes we reply. You never know. Sometimes we don't. But that's not because we're not interested in it. Sometimes right. it's just like sent at a time when we're all just On the way out of the house or whatever. But please, we love hearing from you. Hysteria at Crooked.com. There will be more Hysteria for you next week. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our senior producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. And Alyssa Mastermonico is our co-producer. Fiona Pestana is our associate producer. The show is engineered and edited by Jordan Cantor. We get audio support from Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis. Our video producers are Rachel Gajewski and Megan Patzel. And thank you to Julia Beach, Ewa Okulate, Amelia Montooth, Adia Hill, and David Tolls for production support every week. Don't forget to follow us at Crooked Media on Instagram and Twitter for more original content, host takeovers, and other community events.